Welcome to another podcast by these two. No need for your herbal tea. They'll likely have you asleep within minutes. There's so much unearned weight put on to the opinions of celebrities. Yeah. And that really drives the um, the public narrative around important issues. And this this is true for not just celebrities, but anybody with a public platform, myself sure. included. Yep. You know, pe- people people don't know uh, I'm fairly ubiquitous in the news these days for for pandemic commentary, but yep. oftentimes journalists will ask me to comment on things I don't have expertise in, and it takes a fair amount of discipline to say I I I don't have sufficient expertise to comment on that. I see. You know, the temptation yeah. is strong. Yep. Because you've got a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. Your little bit of knowledge is not. It doesn't warrant having a public platform. Sure. So when a a celebrity opines about anything beyond their scope of particular experience and uh, and earned expertise, it can be dangerous. Yeah. I follow the odd celebrity on Twitter. Um, the odder the better. And I did get a kick. Uh, well, kick. I found Stephen King, author Stephen oh, King's yes. tweets really... Entertaining? I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Entertaining. Yeah. I always, you know, you'd read one and think, yeah, good for him. And then, and not really afraid of what anybody thinks of his, uh, you know, his ideas. And, and, <laughs> right. I mean, everyone's and he's got to be wired a little differently. Yeah, you're, but... you're entitled to an opinion. You're not entitled to a platform and anyone can get a Twitter account and say what they want. It's sure. the amplification of that position. That is the problem. And um, you can respect someone's intellect and use them as a navigation beacon to help uh, figure out your own positions on things, but please do so with some caution. Yeah. 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 Good advice. So now you're talking, you were talking about <laughs> celebrities. They have to uh, eat as well as we <laughs> do. Tell me about your, uh, you do post pictures of what you've made here. It looks like you're quite the, dare I say, culinary expert. I wouldn't say expert. Here's the thing. No, okay. Uh, I am in my mid to late 50s. Okay. I am late to the game of being a father. So I have a two-year-old okay. son. Yep. Um, my spouse is not of my culture. Okay. Um, so I do feel a desire to pass on some aspects of my culture to my child uh, that he will otherwise have limited exposure to. It's been because most culture, in my mind, is transmitted via food. It is it is uh, foremost in my mind to uh, expose him to at least the smells in the house and the uh-huh. things that I grew up with. So it's not foreign to him because um, his mother isn't going to make this stuff. She's not one of me. <laughs> so I do. And also, it's not just about him. Like I, I do long for a connection to my to the fading trunk of humanity that is characteristic of my lineage. Mm. Um, the older we get, the more important that becomes as we sense the the end of the voyage yeah yeah um having said all that the other reason for the cooking and the, the sharing and the experimentation mm-hmm. is i'm a vegetarian mm-hmm. mostly vegan not entirely and mm-hmm. it's difficult to find food that meets my dietary requirements so i have to make it myself and therefore it must be as delicious as possible yeah and uh, i'm learning to do so and uh sharing the results with the world because my ego needs a boost as well <laughs> well it looks like you make some uh yeah, it looks like you make some great stuff. And I noticed you like using curry. Well, I'm Indian. 
And yep. you have to understand that curry is not an Indian development. Curry is a term and a word and a, a concept invented by the British. Okay. Uh, curry does not exist in India. Um, there are masalas, which are mixed spices and various ways of, of creating food using uh, a variety of mixed spices. Okay. Um, when the British were there, they took this idea of curry back with them as a, a, a simplified method of simulating the flavors. So curry oh, powder is something that the Europeans invented. But it's been... Uh, embraced by many diasporic Indians, um, mm-hmm. like, like the Indo-Caribbean people from which I extract. Um, so yeah, having said that, there is such rich- richness in subcontinental cooking that mm. I aspire to be able to emulate much of it in the time remaining to me. Mm, yeah. How's that for a complicated answer to a simple question? That sounds great. I was <laughs> going to say I like curry, but you, yeah, you've done a better <laughs> job. of. <laughs> There's so many ways and of doing seems- it too. It seems I mean, to be really hit or miss. Like, I think you either like it or you don't like it, right? There's like, a diversity of flavor options. And, and um, depending upon which part of India you want to experience and sample, mm-hmm. it can be a whole different level of flavors. There is a term in Indian cooking called the masalification, where everybody ah. starts to taste the same because <laughs> everyone's using the same spices and sure. amounts all the time. You don't need to do that. You can be more subtle. Um, so there, you know, like any cuisine. There is richness and breadth, and you have to be able to sample the extremes and any point in between to get the fullness of that experience. That's wow. What do I, I say I'm by there? no means That's... an expert on Indian cooking. I am learning with the rest of us, but uh, and... every day I learn a bit more. And you were saying you have an instant pot? Oh, yeah. So let's yes. try to get some, some sponsorship. Let's go more. there with it. Yeah. Uh, hello, instant pot that. people. I, I yeah. push the the benefits of your wares on an almost daily basis. <laughs> oh, I love the thing too. And I think we bought ours used, believe it or not. Excellent. And um, yeah. I, how many best. Instant Pot disasters did you have before it uh, turned no out disasters. okay? No, no okay. I mean, sometimes you have burns taking place, but the actual food yeah. is usually edible. It's the thing about the Instant Pot, if people don't know, it's a pressure cooker essentially, but you can set it and leave it. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. So you can prepare everything you need to do, put it all in there, turn it on, set the timer, go walk the dog, do what you got to do. <laughs> and at some point, there's a meal waiting for you. And if you're clever enough, you can have different compartments and have multiple things cooking simultaneously. Like really complicated dishes, in my case, Indian dishes yep. that would ordinarily take hours can be made in half an hour. And you yeah. have a, a, a really, really inexpensive, nutritious, tasty meal in under an hour for the yeah. entire family. It's magical. The other thing I like about the Instant Pot, as opposed to sort of the number of slow cookers we broke over the years, is that it doesn't just seem to boil all the flavor out. Right. Uh, I used to find that with the slow cooker, like there was kind of nothing left. So yes. whomever invented whomever invented this thing uh, did a good job because, yeah, That's you good. start playing around with the time and the buttons. And uh, it's a good point. It's pretty magical. But Indian cooking, the secret to Indian cooking, in my opinion, is the layering of flavor. Mm. So the the order in which things go in. And it's hard to emulate that with a single pot and with a slow cooker. Sure. uh, Unless you sit there for hours and add things and watch them. But with the instant pot, for some reason it works. Like a little bit of layering, like you throw in your oil and onions and garlic and your spices, let that happen. Then you throw in the other ingredients and let that happen. But really, it's essentially two layers. And yet it tastes multi-layered. The, oh, the, yeah. The, the culinary experts can opine further on how that's possible. 
But uh, for the <laughs> average person wanting to be sold on the idea of an Instant Pot, I highly recommend it. <laughs> it takes me back to the old... Uh... Remember the infomercials? Oh, God, yes. And uh, when Ron Ron Papil wasn't selling his yeah. uh, spray your bald spot uh, <laughs> paint, he was, oh, it, I remember uh, sandwich makers. Those were the big things. They, it looked like, it looked like sort of a, wa- uh, like a panini press, but it had these little pockets and you'd put your two sandwiches in there. And then presto, after a certain amount of time, they were toasted. And there you go. That was one of my favorite. <laughs> I can't explain it. That was an no, infomercial I, I, I like. Yeah, yeah. And people would watch these things for oh. hours at a time. Oh, that was my Saturday. I would just be glued to see what could, you know, what could they possibly sell next? And how could you really talk for half an hour about Look, man, a sandwich we've talked maker, for what, two, two hours already about nothing? I think it's been a Imagine if you had a prop. <laughs> if we had a prop or a guest or if i actually went back to my list that i have since lost um <laughs> but i guess that's okay so that's what we'll do next hey if this podcast thing um doesn't take off let's let's go um knock on some doors and start some infomercials again i think there's a huge huge market for it right now probably uh, not but sure. sounds great eh sure <laughs> We still need a name, though. We, of course, the, the name would have to change to something informational, like. Well, we do have. Well, informative cats. informative cats. Oh, what an umbrella term now! Like, yeah, I'm I'm really leaning toward that. And see what I mean? See what I'm, I mean? I'm thinking of maybe the the comedy burrito could be like. Um, Here's the thing, though: is my other hmm. podcast is called Science Monkey, so there's an animal <laughs> theme arising here. <laughs> so, Science, so science cats would be too lame, right? That would look like I'm stealing it from your other one. Plus, who'd trust cats to do science? Well, I've got three. Whoa. Three cats. All named differently, of course. I hope so. Uh, the largest is Spice. Simple Spice. And then we go to Gord, who was named after uh, Gord Downey. Oh, really? And then we go to LB. LB is the smallest and the youngest. LB stands for Little Bones, which is another hip song. So so we have these three cats in the house with Spice. As I said, Spice, the oldest, he's around 20 pounds. So he he kind of gets his way. I don't know if you've ever had house cats, but they are just about as fascinating to watch as a Twitter feed. They oh, had yeah, their own. Cats. It's just they oh. shed and oh yeah, allergic. It's, yeah, it's a pain. You're you're allergic to cats, are you? I am allergic to cats. Oh, okay. I have well, house so sack. much for all your cat stories. Yeah. Well, I love cats and have many friends with cats and girlfriends with cats, etc. Uh, I do love them. They love me, but they always leave me miserable. <laughs> you just tear up and exactly. It's pretty bad. And your lips turn blue or purple or something like that. Is it like a is it like a shellfish uh, allergy or what happens here? I'm a, I'm too giving of a man to be shellfish. Ah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, as you know, I have a dog and I'm going right. to share with you my dog's name because there is a story there. We're, we're not very good with names, but carry on. Right. So okay. uh, my dog was a 
rescue. And I hate that yep, term rescue. That's what you said. Yep. It's, 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 hey, we adopted him. We love him. He's my son. Um, and my uh, girlfriend and I, when we got him, we struggled with the naming. And when it, I love something, I give it a thousand names. Like my son has hmm. so many names that I call him over the course of the day. I have no idea. He must confuse the heck out of him. Um, so same with the dog. I love him so much. I can't stop naming him. So his, hmm. um, he has a social media name, a name at home, <laughs> and an actual name. His actual name is Sherlock. Okay. Because uh, okay. my uh, my girlfriend slash spouse, whatever she is, uh, really wanted him to solve crimes. But he's not very bright. Oh. And had we known that he was not very bright and interested in solving crimes, we would have named him Watson. Uh, because I am Ray Watt and he is my son. It oh, just goes together, Watt, right? son. I get it. It, it, it works. Yeah, um, I didn't even need a yarn diagram to put that together. That's fantastic. Yeah. His social media name, because he has many okay. accounts. Is are you sitting down? Yep. Dogulus Prime. <laughs> Sounds tough. Like <laughs> tough, not smart, a, can't solve crimes, but he's essentially both a Roman emperor and a transformer. He's Dogulus Prime. Is <laughs> his own uh Instagram account as well. And <laughs> most people I share that with think, wow. You've really done that, haven't you? Of course, you um, have to. If you um, love your animal, and you my wish. wife shakes her head too. Like, look, when you're in love, you want to tell the world. Ah, right. There we go. That's exactly what I can share now. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening here. And, and but by the way, before I forget, my dog's name oh. at home is Booby. At home, he's at <laughs> home. It's Booby. He, he's called most because he's a little Booby. You know. He's, okay. He's a, and. Um, yeah <laughs> you got boy this is this is interesting it's something you like you like naming what so what um social media account does your dog he has have a facebook or... account yeah, oh yeah a youtube account um <laughs> youtube yeah he had twitter for a while and, twitter yeah. doesn't seem like it's a dog's platform though does it he hasn't got thumbs that's the problem uh, yeah yep yep excellent point yeah, my cat just sticks with Instagram. And, and frankly, uh, if he had thumbs, he'd be a troll. Like he'd be, he'd be an anti-vaxer, an anti-vaxing yeah. troll dog. Yeah, there's got to be a group for those. That's it's a great be. name for a band, by the way, anti-vaxer troll dog. <laughs> band names. Well, <laughs> you know. Go back, go back to the the early days of the bare naked ladies when I think it was a city hall. Yep, a city councilor nope. objected to it. That just, uh, I suppose at the time. Well, no, it wouldn't have been that offensive at the time, would it? it I, see, I remember those days uh-uh. so well, and I was a bare naked ladies fan before their album came out. They're known around town as a really good indie band, and they're playing um, some pretty uh, big name events. And sure enough, some city councilwoman really objected to it. And they didn't understand that, as Stephen Page explained, it's laddish innocence. It's the mm-hmm. idea that, oh, my God, there's a bare naked lady over there. How cool is that, kids? It's, it's, it just invokes that wide-eyed glee of being a little boy obsessed with boobies. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw the bare naked ladies was at the University of Alberta at a bar there called the Power Plant. And nobody knew who they were. Like this was pre-Gordon days. And I remember listening to them. First, I thought they it looked different, right? Like you don't see an upright bass 
too often anywhere. So that was kind of interesting. And then they started doing some James Taylor cover songs and I was speechless. Now I'd have been, I don't know, maybe 20, 21 at the time. And I thought their sound is unbelievable. And then I followed them. I listened to Gordon until that CD was worn right out. And there aren't too many discs. (laughs) Discs. There are there. There weren't. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no. I was just going to say that's one of those albums that comes out and the album itself is a greatest hits collection. Right. Like I've got uh, countless CDs in one of our sheds that I bought for one song. (laughs) <laughs> right, you know, 22 bucks, Sam, the record man, West Edmonton mall, one song. And that was it. Yeah. Gordon to me is timeless. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead, I remember sorry. driving through LA with my friend, Andrew, who was a, a second city comedian. And, oh, no way. Oh yeah. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Kirby, again, all tangent here. Do you know um, who the devil's advocates are? Do you remember the devil's advocates in the nineties city TV in Toronto had a little booth on Queen Street where people can just show up when they're drunk and put a dollar in and record themselves. And the Was best it recording... like a Speaker's Corner? Yes, Speaker's Corner. Exactly what that is. So gotcha. Speaker's, Speaker's, Speaker's Corner birthed um, some celebrities and prime among them were oh, yeah. Devil's Advocates who were these two gentlemen who just wore devil's horns and showed up and made fun of other people on there. And they became so popular. I'm liking it already. Okay. They became so popular that they got their own TV show on, on CTV. Um, oh, God bless Canada. Yeah. And, and the devil's advocates were Albert Howe and um, Andrew Curry, who are both friends of mine. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they're fairly successful comedians. So anyway, Andrew uh, lived briefly in LA and I was okay. visiting him when Gordon came out. And this was after the Rodney King riots. Oh, yeah. And I arrived in the middle of the night, and the city was deserted because of the curfew. And we're driving through deserted post-apocalyptic L.A., playing Gordon (laughs) on the car (laughs) Um, (laughs) as roaming street gangs, as it appeared to us, were just uh, doing their thing. And every now and then, we just really mark out whenever they played that rush riff you know what i'm talking about oh yeah in uh great the song was the grade, nine. Grade, nine. In grade nine yep yeah. yep you know blue and red about. adidas bag there you go man oh my goodness we speak in the same language it concerns me well that's it was pretty neat like so those guys are around my age when they put that album together They'd have been, they were in their early 20s. And when you think about sort of the, yeah, like the Canadian cheekiness that went into the um, the songs and then the arrangements, like, uh, I'm just going to flat out say it. When Stephen left the band, mm-hmm. to me, yeah, the old cliche, it's kind of like Simon and Garfunkel without either one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I've tried listening to the stuff they've done since he left i've tried listening to them do versions of the i don't know their their harmonies made so much of it and as an aside ever uh, seen the futurama version of cylon and garfunkel no you know the reference cylon from the robots from Battlestar galactica so cylon and garfunkel were the folk duo and they're on stage singing scarborough fair and of course uh uh, Garfunkel sings, uh, why are you going to Scarborough Fair? And, and Cylon says, Barsley, Sage, Rosemary, get thine. <laughs> it kills me every time. <laughs> yep. 
You have reached the end of the podcast. Please be careful while exiting the podcast. Items may have shifted in the overhead bins during travel. Thank you.